accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints, just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continue our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called The Quickening. It is the 24th episode of the fourth season, aired on May 20th, 1996, written by Naren Shankar, the old TNG writer, directed by Rene Auberjonois, who also plays Odo on the series. In this episode, Dr. Bashir works to rid a planet of a plague that was sent by the Dominion as punishment for their resistance. We're joined by Clay, as always. Clay, how are you? I'm good. You know, I know what everybody's thinking, so I'm just going to jump out in front of it right now. You're probably thinking, oh... Clay, you must be so sad, given the name of this episode, that it has absolutely nothing to do with Highlander. And that's where I think you're wrong, because let's take a second to look at what this this episode's about. It's about a planet. Full, is it an unnamed planet? Uh, is it unnamed? It is. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. So Okay. Yeah, so, so you could yes. say, let's, let's, let's say it's unnamed, or let's say it's called Zeist. And uh, it's full of people who are, are are doing nothing but looking forward to dying. They're, uh, all of them are, are, are doomed to die because of this disease they have. And then Bashir comes in and he creates this antigen that only affects the next generation of people. And uh, it seems like they're sucking in a lot of this a lot of this antigen. And maybe we can extrapolate out and say that this next generation of people have another problem. Maybe that problem is that they actually can't die. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, it works. This episode is a backdoor tie into Highlander. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> well, it certainly fits with the uh, the Highlander two sort of setup and everything. It fits. It, it fits looks. Nicely. It looks a lot like Zeist. It, it dovetails nicely into Zeist in Highlander two. Highlander one, we'll have to work on it a little bit the relationships. But yeah, but we're going to be talking about the quickening, which is the second to penultimate episode of the fourth season. We're going to take a break, play an audio clip. Me and Clay are going to come back, and we're going to break down the quickening. You brought Norva here? How is she? It was too late for her. If only she'd come sooner, I could have helped. Then there is a treatment for the blight. There is no cure. It's always fatal. I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. I thought you said you could have helped her. Why are you here? We received a distress call. We're here to help in any way we can. I'm a doctor. And I have access to sophisticated diagnostic equipment. We had sophisticated equipment once. You think our world was always this way? Two centuries ago, we were no different from you. We built vast cities, traveled to neighboring worlds. We believed nothing was beyond our abilities. We even thought we could resist the Dominion. I see you've heard of them. Then take care not to defy them. Or your people will pay the same price we did. All right, Clay. So um, it's the quickening episode. It doesn't have a lot to do with Highlander. It has a... Agree uh, to disagree. It has, it has a TNG uh, pedigree because Naren Shankar wrote for TNG for a long time. Or not a long time, but he was sort of a, a writer on the series for at least a couple of years. Took a big part in the seventh season. They hired him here because Iris Stephen Bear didn't have the time to write this episode. Um, and it is a Bashir-focused episode. 
that I think is kind of a dovetail between the Bashir that we knew and grew up with in the early seasons and the sort of direction that they're taking the character. And it has something to do with a little bit of world building for the Dominion at the same time. So what what did you think of the quickening? After you got over the fact that um, you were going to have to do some major mental hurdle gymnastics to make it dovetail into Highlander, which you eventually did quite nicely. What did you think of it in the uh, the first run? Um, well, going into it, I kind of was not looking forward to it. I guess I because I, it was a Bashir-centric episode, and I knew that beforehand, so I was a little bit kind of, you know, already frustrated with it. But um, I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, it doesn't surprise me now that you say that to hear that one the writer was a TNG person because it feels a lot like a TNG episode and not in a bad way as some of the previous DS9 episodes have this actually seems like it feels like a pretty good T, uh, TNG episode yeah it's mostly TNG um, come from the the setup because we don't get a lot of episodes where the crew members on DS9 beam down to a planet and solve a problem yeah 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 um, and especially given uh, you know it's it's it very much feels like one of those those TNG episodes where like they kind of just shatter the prime directive even you know even though they're they they go down and they talk to some you know race that is behind them and gets them all into hijinks for that you know it's, it seems like one of those episodes yeah um but yeah I thought it was pretty good uh, I liked I thought there was gonna be more done I I I liked the the concept of the planet and the people where it was like they uh death is such a uh, basically the disease disease has become part of their culture because there's no um cure for it so instead of try, uh trying to endlessly cure it and just be endlessly depressed about it they kind of accept it and it's just part of their society now yeah, yeah. um I was kind of hoping they would do a little bit more with that because I like the idea of like, well, what if you build your culture on death? What happens when you take that away? Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good, and I thought I thought the Bashir stuff was good. I liked uh, him, uh, the God boner he got about halfway through, and then the <laughs> pulling him back down to Earth uh, when everything didn't work. And I, the only thing I thought was a little weird, and it's not really weird because I still think it it it. It works fine, but structurally it felt like I was surprised that there was 10 minutes left in the episode when he beams down, beams back to the planet. Yeah. Because the way that it was, the story was unfolding, it seemed like, oh, yeah, he thought he cured it. He didn't cure it. We're going to have one of those, like, you know, uh, um, uh, not totally satisfying endings where the good guys don't always win as he goes back and continues to work on the planet kind of thing. So I was surprised that it kept going for another 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was good. I, I think the, yeah, I think the ending works fine. Um, what about you? I think it's a, um, it's an episode that I, for the first half of it, I was concerned about where it was going and what it was going to mm-hmm. do. Uh, I think it's a very slow to warm up plot line because yeah. th- the culture itself is uh, like if the, the beginning would have been saved if they'd done a little bit more of an exploration of what this society was like now that they mm-hmm. have to embrace death like this. And instead, yeah. it's mostly them kind of wandering around this desolate wasteland where people are dying. And, you know, you see the hospital, which is basically 
uh, the Jack Kevorkian character who's in there sort of ending people's suffering. And and that's all fine, but it feels a little bit rote. Um, yeah. And then when my favorite moment, and I think where the episode turns, is when Bashir and Dax cause so many of them to die or at least amplifies the quickening sickness yes. because of their medical yeah. uh, technology that they've been using yeah. on it. Which the I best assume- part of that is the following scene when the, when they have the close-up on Bashir and then they do the pullback and he's just surrounded by dead bodies. Yeah, dead bodies and body bags. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was a really effective camera move. And I mean, I think it's effective mostly because um, I thought it was really, I thought it was a really visceral scene for Star Trek. Yeah. You feel bad for Bashir. Uh, he loses to his nemesis because the people start begging for the suicide doctor to come in to help them. And then um, it's just kind of a, I assume that is a, byproduct of the disease that the dominion engineered like it would react that way on purpose is my understanding of what that is so Mm -hmm. it's kind of an Mm -hmm. extra bit of um brutality on the dominion's part but then everything after that i thought was really good uh i was a little bit let down by the um the baby birth scene because it felt a little bit too like uh trite for me where she gives birth and he's like your baby is cured and then she immediately dies it felt a little hokey at that point and yeah that scene definitely felt like like high school play, kind of. Yeah, and and then I thought it was really good outside of all the character work outside of that. I thought that the compared to the earlier scene where Bashir is trying to help has actually caused more damage. The baby scene felt a little bit um, manipulative. Like it, it felt like it was playing on my emotions in a way that the earlier scenes weren't. So I wasn't too happy with it, even though I like the ending itself. It's really just that scene, and then I love the the ending scene of Bashir is still working on the cure for this thing yep. um, as Cisco yeah. talks to him. And I really like that ending, but the, the first 20 minutes I'm not crazy about uh, after that, I think it picks up and it's, it's nicely done. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, I had a similar thought when uh, in that first half, because I, I actually started thinking, I was thinking out like the, what makes a good script and what makes a bad script as, as far as like taking advantage of your story and stuff. And I was thinking that in the first like handful of minutes where Bashir and Dax are just, uh, you know, putting together their, you know, testing machine and, and doing their early tests and stuff like that. Because I was thinking, I'm like, man, they have such a great concept here as far as this world and society that they've kind of teased you with. But what we're doing is we're spending time with, Bashir and Dax just kind of like hanging out and putting together medical equipment. Yeah. Yep. And I was, I was, I was, I was a little disappointed that they weren't leaning into the, to some of the other stuff. But then as it, you know, like it, I had the same feeling where you kind of about halfway through, it kind of clicks into a, a different gear. And I think the problem, if you could call it a problem, is that, um, the first half of it is sort of the the two halves are kind of not really connected as far as what they're setting up because uh Trevayan is kind of kind of set up as a villain but then he just disappears for like most of the show. Yeah. So I think I think the first half you kind of have a preconceived notion of 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 how this is going to play out and then they end up spending a bunch of time doing medical tests and then only after the second half when things kind of fall back into place does it all kind of make sense well the um, <clears throat> to tie into your Trevian or Trevian however you pronounce his name the um the thing about him is that because it it opens so much like a TNG <coughs> excuse me a TNG plot that 
I'm predisposed to, in the first 20 minutes, view him as a villain when I don't yeah. think the script really views him as a villain. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I when it was starting in the 20 minutes, I was a little bit worried because I was like, oh, no, like, don't have Bashir take this sort of moral stand against what this guy's done, because I don't think what this guy's done is really deserving of the scorn that Bashir is piling on. And fortunately, right, the script right. is smart enough to realize that, and it's Bashir being arrogant and sort of over the top about it. And um, they sort of saved the Trevane character by his ending scene. He's fully like, please teach me how to cure these people. Like, show me how to make this right. stuff, and, and then I'll go on my way. So he's, he's really not a bad character. It's just you're sort of predisposed to view him that way because of the setup of the situation. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was surprised that, I, you know, I kept waiting. I think during that first half, what I was waiting for was like Trevayan to come and shut them down because whatever they're doing, whatever he's benefiting from the way the society works, or on the other hand, he's so entrenched in this, the way that their society works that he doesn't want anybody to fix it, you know, that kind of thing, that kind of cynical um uh, uh, culture, re- rejecting culture shift kind yeah. of thing. No outsiders here. No federation. Yeah, no, please. exactly. Even if even if those outsiders are trying to literally save your people from dying, um, but they didn't do that. And I, at, the way that he plays out for the rest of the episode, I, I thought was fairly uh, um, unexpected because yeah, he he's a uh, he's more or less he's on he's on the up and up. He's just doing what he thinks is best. And when yeah. he finally does see, he's, he's just as jaded about people coming in and trying to uh, fix things as anybody else's, but he's not, he doesn't have an ulterior motive. He just has the same motive as anybody else, which is just like, Hey, this is how it is. We we're going to deal with it as it is. Yeah. And, um, they've, and so they've when prepared. he's presented with a, with a fix, a quote unquote fix at the end, he is, you know, more than happy to, uh, to, to go with it. So yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's just, what it was that character is is a little bit uh he doesn't end up being what you expect that um they also have that scene there where it seems that either people other people have failed (laughs) to give them a cure or came as snake oil salesmen and they have had to deal with those kind of people and they're they're very uh cynical towards anyone coming in to help at this point including the federation which they they don't know of because they're in dominion space um right we'll get the they're they're clarifying the space a little bit more why why they can keep going through the wormhole. Apparently, Dominion space does not extend to the wormhole, which listeners have told me previous to this because I've been complaining about it. But it still doesn't make sense to me why the most powerful force in the quadrant doesn't just sort of annex the wormhole at this point and be like, we need to yeah, take control yeah. of this. So uh, Star Trek are, is uh, continuing to allow us to come through the wormhole and explore these worlds that are on the outside of the Dominion, I suppose. But um, the the rest of the the sickness thing, I think, is um, is good. I think it was originally supposed to be an AIDS metaphor, but they kind of toned that down a little bit. Yeah, that's probably uh, the best. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't think it would age quite as well um, if they had kept that in there, and they've kept it more of, of a. Um, it would also maybe be offensive, depending on how much of it would like you're born with and deserve. It's like a punishment right. type thing. Um, <clears throat> And I don't know how well that would actually go with the the HIV symbolism, but it's a and uh, there's the the aspect of the Dominion actually showing up and doing it to them on purpose, right? Yes, which yes. So it's, really, it's an inten- really intentional punishment from from the gods, basically that yeah, you do deserve this. Yeah. Uh, they'll give them a hurricane too into their port of New Orleans or something. But the uh, I think it's a I think it's pretty solid. I think it does a nice job of connecting 
he's still the youthful character Bashir that we grew up who sort of has his uh, head in the clouds and it has a very he opens up this episode with the very oh we're out here where the stars are brighter being explorers and bringing stuff and he is quickly uh, kneecapped and brought down to uh, a level where Dax has to lecture him about what's going on and I, th- I think it's a pretty effective um, medical story for Star mm-hmm. Trek the, the, the Star Trek doesn't have a ton of medical stories mostly because the doctor characters aren't really great characters for doing that kind of stuff but here, I think it works, and it's a good way to, you rarely, well, maybe not rarely, but it's tough for the medical field to sort of have the hubris of their job brought back onto them full force, and I think Bashir handles it pretty well here, and I think the show does it pretty well with handling him. Yeah, and I actually thought it was a good use of Dax, too. Um, uh, she being a foil for his uh, uh, overconfidence, I thought was nice. Um and that one scene, that one big scene that they have where she kind of, you know, talks some sense into him, I thought was was good. Um, so, yeah, again, they also seem like they're figuring her out a little bit more, um, even though she's still given relatively nothing to do. They, they've um, moved away from the um, just sort of ditzy party girl aspect. It works. It makes more sense in context of the character. if She's sort of the wise character. The, the character's right. been there before. And they're playing into that here. Uh, Kira is funny to me in this episode because I don't know what Kira does for that week where she has to go to that nebula and just hang out to hide from the Jem'Hadar. <laughs> that was a very funny thing. And then her just letting Bashir stay was also very funny. She was she was a weird choice of a character to have sort of piloting the ship for no reason. I don't know why she was there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know who else it would be. Um, I guess you need a commander. So I was thinking it could just be Dax and Bashir out there. Uh, by right, themselves. that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought she she didn't really, you know, she was just kind of there for the beginning. The, we didn't talk about the beginning, that opening with uh with the Quark ads. I really enjoyed that. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I, I <laughs> How come you liked it so much? Did you I think it was effective it just, comedy? I, I think it was just uh, it it's completely irrelevant to the rest of the episode, but it ju- I think it just it just uh tickled me as an accurate representation of how ads work now. <laughs> yeah. Uh where you can't even you can't even get a cup of coffee without someone throwing an ad in your face. Um, I li- I yeah, liked, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just, it just made me chuckle. It, it wasn't, it wasn't anything uh, uh, really, uh, didn't really stick to the ribs. I like in the, the 24th century, Quirk is still sort of blown away by the generic Adobe Premiere template of text that spins. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> he, he went through the templates and he picked that one. He's like, I love it when it spins. That's the best part. Well, of this it's thing. like, I think it's, uh, he must be new to that stuff because it, it doesn't matter what, what era you're in. If it's, if you've never used that stuff before, the first thing you do, which is always going to be shit, you're going to be like really tickled and, and taken with it. Yeah, yeah. So I could see why he, you know, I'm I'm surprised he didn't have the little uh the, the little uh, gif of the the construction guy digging underneath <laughs> it or like the spinning the spinning uh uh shit. Anything on an Angel Fire website from 1997. Good um good Michael Dorn <laughs> acting there. Yes. Too. He's got the yeah. he's got the cup that plays the music when he tips it over, which is a nice touch. Yeah. I thought it was um yeah, I it was it was teetering dangerously close to me for uh, bad Star Trek comedy, but I think they all kind of held it together fairly well. It was it was pretty farcical, and it's it, it's kind of a weird opening when you consider where the episode goes from there. It's a very yeah. it's almost yeah. I forget that that's the opening scene for what this uh, episode eventually splinches into because it has nothing really to do with any of that. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird choice. Um, I mean, maybe they did it because the rest of the episode is so heavy. Yeah. Uh, they need to keep it a little bit light. You know, I was just thinking, do you think that Worf, I think Worf might have been an interesting character to put on the planet with them. Because I don't know, okay. you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like he would uh, uh, offer some counterpoint. Like, I think that's the thing that, that's weird to me is there's not a ton of counterpoint to Bashir. Other than other than Dax and Dax isn't giving isn't offering a counterpoint to the ethics of what he's doing. Not that what he's doing yeah, is or the situation really. Yeah, yeah. But like, let's say you put Worf in that situation, I could feasibly see him having a conversation with with Bashir where he's like, "Well, you know, there is there's something honorable in the way that these people are facing their death, and they, there seems to be no cure for this thing. So why? What what's wrong with that? You know, the, the, and I, I was expecting. Um, Trevayan to be more on that side and he yeah. doesn't he 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 is but it's not really that forward so i, I was i was just a, i was just expecting a little bit more uh conversation about maybe the ethics of of uh you know euthanizing or whatever see i would have i know that Worf had that episode where in tng where he broke his back and he wanted to kill himself so apparently the klingons do see this as honorable but mm. if i it's funny you mentioned that be, uh being as someone as a counterpoint to bashir because I would see Worf as, um, I would see Worf actually going down and lecturing the people for giving up and not fighting back against oh, yeah. what they have. Like oh, I, I think that too. seems like a Worf way to go about things too. But they, they, th- that would have been a distraction from the Bashir stuff here. And you, you need yeah, someone yeah. as, um, you need someone backgrounded like Dax is, who is yeah. only here to sort of yell at Bashir when he gets on his high horse and isn't there to really judge what he's doing in any way. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Worf would have been, in, I mean, Odo, I think, would have been a, a Rene Abergenois was directing, so he wasn't going to have a chance to actually go down there, I don't think, because of uh, too many duties to do. But uh, it's another another character you could have thrown down was Odo, because Odo would have had to deal with what the founders do to people who don't want to be in the Dominion. Um, yep. And that would have been a conflict to explore for him. But there's a lot of approaches. It's, it's interesting they went with uh, the Bashir thing, and I thought that the... the it handled it nicely. And I think a lot of it goes down to, even though the first 20 minutes, I think that the, the aliens are kind of generic and stuff. Like it has that generic, uh, tough guy alien who shows up and is like, Hey, get out of here, man. Like you don't, you don't want it. You don't want any part of this, the sort of doubting yeah. tough guy. And he even has a nice scene after the halfway break where he, he comes in and says, you, I canceled my death for you. So please make yeah, this worth yeah. it, which is a cool line. Um, so they, they sort of save everybody in that situation. Like the, they turn the generic race of people into a more realistic, um, perspective on what this group of people must actually be like, where they can die at any moment. A lot of them can't have kids. So they're, they're slowly becoming extinct because a lot of them die before they can even have kids. And then yeah. to just go further from there and then to have the nice sort of redemption moment where the kid is born, uh, uh, plague free, basically. Yeah, you know, I, the other thing I was I was expecting was uh, some sort of turn as far as why Trevayan managed to live so long, because mm-hmm. that seems to be. I mean, I feel like they talk about that at some point where everybody seems to die fairly young, and he's more or less the oldest person living with the disease. So I was, I guess, part of me, I think, even towards the end when that was, it was clear he wasn't really going to be that big of a story. I was, I was still thinking like, well. Maybe he's got something in his blood that Bashir uses to synthesize a cure. Because I mean, why else would he be so old? You know that right. kind of thing. But yeah. that didn't yeah. come either. But he's a changeling. Uh, 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Did you um Yeah, it's it's, it's another uh, another thing to bring up about that is that it's another episode with the Dominion in the background but there yep. the ramifications of the dominion are felt in the foreground uh, how did you think that actually worked as a bit of uh world building for the dominion as we know them oh i liked it um it was nice i think so far i think the jemhadar especially i think i've liked them more when they're not actually on screen yeah um cuz they did such a good job of setting them up initially that keeping them just off screen as a constant threat always seems to work pretty well um, and they do it here pretty well too. I mean, it's they all you need with them is just a throwaway line where it's like, oh shit, the Jem'Hadar are like right out. They're on their way here, basically. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. Or the and image instantly, of the buildings and saying this is what happens when the Jem'Hadar uh, attack your planet, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it and it it just amps up your your stakes and your tension uh, naturally, um, in a way that I found that when you put them together actually on screen, it's maybe not quite as effective. Uh, as much as I did like the last one. Um, you know, I, we went over why I, there, there are some, uh, failures of the Jem'Hadar when you yeah. actually hang out with them. Um, I, I think it fits yeah. the, um, the, also the, the disease itself fits everything that we know about the founders because the founders like to genetically manipulate species. Uh, they're good yeah. at it. And it seems like the, the disease here, it's kind of a tie over from HIV. It seems like it adapts to the cures basically that they come up mm-hmm. with. So it kind of mimics the founders shape-shifting abilities. Like they made a, they made a disease that represents what they are as a people, which is a nice little story writing bit of touch. Um, I can't, do you remember why they, they did this? Why did they give them this disease? I can't remember exactly why. Because they refused to join the <laughs> dominion. That planet thought that they could hold out and not become members of it or uh, subjugated by okay. them. And th- this was their punishment. You got that's pretty sick and sick and twisted. You got to wonder why they just didn't kill everybody, right? Like, just blow the <laughs> place up. It seems like it's more work to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's a um. I think they meant they have a line of throwaways. They were a um, a, a symbol to other people considering resistance. That this is what will happen to you. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> so, I had one other thing that I wanted to. What the hell was it? The quickening. The quickening. We got Bashir. No, do you did you have anything you wanted to talk about? I, I I'll try to jog my memory about what I was thinking. Um, I actually don't think so. I think we kind of touched everything. It's a pretty simple episode, right? Yeah. It's not. It's not really that crazy. So I, I guess we can talk a little bit about Bashir and how he's sort of changed, and whether or not you think that the uh, the episode is any great shakes for him. But I I really like the ending of it. I like the um. It's a stark contrast to his early sort of goofy era in the early seasons, which they kind of tie into at the opening of this one when he's on the shuttlecraft, uh, being very happy-go-lucky about what they're looking at. And I think he's a um, he's a character that's changed pretty drastically. He's no... <clears throat> the performance is no longer annoying, and the writing for him is no longer mm-hmm. annoying. He's still mm-hmm. optimistic. He's still the TNG character stuck in DS9, yep. but he is... He's been tempered a little bit. He He has been brought to his needs for a little bit of humility. And I think that the um, it's the series itself has actually been good for Bashir. He's, he's ended in a place where he's a better doctor, I think, because of all the stuff that he's gone through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think so too. Um, yeah. I, I really like his fairly visible arc in this episode. Um, I, I, I think the scene that he has when he, uh, uh, you know, he he gets really excited about the possibility of curing this thing, 
I think that's a really great um, foil, or, or I don't know what the word is, but it, that compared, uh, combined with the scene with him and Dax later, where Dax, you know, uh, runs down his arrogance, I think is is really is really good because they, it is a it is a a real character change across the episode where, once he recognizes his arrogance, he does actively try to fix it. Yeah. Um, Although, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could make the argument that the fact that he goes back by himself to try and cure it is not any less arrogant. (laughs) Um, I even like Dax's little spin on him where uh, she has the line about, like, when he gives up, sort of, and says that, how could I have been so arrogant to think it? And then she's like, the arrogance of it will never be cured if I don't try, basically. Um, It it relies on me trying to do it, which, as you were saying, ties into him being the one to stay back and uh, do everything with... Just stay back on his own on the uh, on the planet with too many suitcases and no wheels on his suitcases. So I'm glad to see that technology has gone away. As uh, <laughs> as Peep Show, the show said, there's a great line from Peep Show. One of the characters says, "A real man doesn't let the Earth carry his luggage for him." When you <laughs> talk about people who use roller suitcases, and I think that's very appropriate. And I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a lot of bo- those boxes. If they contained anything worthwhile, he would not be able to carry all of those himself. No, he he put one under his arm. He picked up another one, and yeah, he picked bullshit. up a third one. It was just walking yeah. around down the street with it. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I don't remember. I think I must have talked about what I wanted to talk about because I don't really remember anything else uh, going on there. So I think we'll um, going to take a break. Going to play an audio clip. Me and Claire are going to come back, give our final thoughts. We'll read some patron thoughts, and then we're going to call it a day. Trevian was right. There is no cure. The Dominion made sure of that. And I was so arrogant, I thought I could find one in a week. Maybe it was arrogant to think that. But it's even more arrogant to think there isn't a cure just because you couldn't find it. All right, everybody, so you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to read them on the podcast. So we have Zam Nuclear Wessel says the quickening. When Major Kira says, I will go to Quarks and I will have fun, I think we're seeing the side of her that in an alternate universe would have become the intendant. She just wants to have some fun. Chloe, don't we all just want to have a little bit of fun? Uh, Christian Pouch. man. Christian Pouch says the quickening. <laughs> it is all about darts. The quickening. I liked it. Obviously, it can't be too easy for Bashir, but I like the bittersweet ending of knowing that the next generation won't have to suffer, even if nothing can be done for the current one. The scene where the virus mutates is done really well and is really horrifying. The more you think of the whole situation, the more depressing it is, and it makes Ikoria's sacrifice all the more impactful. Can you imagine this with season one Bashir? Siddig does an outstanding job here. Finally, the opening scene with Quark is one of my favorite moments of comedy in Trek ever. So you have some people agreeing with you there, Clay, about ah, the opening thing. Um, you have to... You have to wonder on that planet, like as soon as Bashir left, were they like, all right, everybody who's like over 12, start having sex. (laughs) You got to make sure that those people are are healthy enough to have babies before they they die from their quickening. Yes, you can't have turned red yet. You need to still be in the gray with your your problem. I know. That's the only way to uh, to save save that group, which is... Also... do you think oh, this group ahead. makes it, Clay? Uh, I think I would the odds say are against them. What's that? The odds are against them. I'd say them, yeah. there's there's probably like a small number of them left who then are felt an uh, 
undeniable pull to a common area, um, a gathering, you might say. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, to uh, really get down to who is the one who deserves to be uh, the survivor and win the prize yes. of being the last one. Should Sean Connery have been the character to explain to Bashir what is going on on this planet? Why does the sun come up? Or <laughs> stars just the pinholes in the curtain of night? The stars always shine that's brighter. My, that is one of my favorite, like, that's such like a dad answer for something that, that he doesn't actually know the answer to. Like it's it, <laughs> what what is what what is what is the quickening? He's like, well, what is anything really? <laughs> it depends on what your definition of the word is. Is I yeah, think, exactly, Mr. President. I do I do have to say I think the the uh, uh, big screen technology we have now does not do the makeup in this episode much favors because there are some most of those people look like they had just gone to a, a face painting booth at like a carnival. Yes. Run by like blind carnies, I think, and yeah. they just kind of scrawled <laughs> on their face. Yeah, it's not. Also, um, why were they not more impressed by the fact that he could heal a broken arm with like a laser pointer? Yeah. <laughs> and the kid wasn't. The kid wasn't very appreciative of it either. He's very, very quiet about the yeah. whole thing. I, the, I, you know, I, I, I wish. I mean, maybe this is an episode that maybe that's kind of part of what they're doing here. But it, the medical technology in Star Trek is so overpowered yeah. that. It, it's always slightly jarring when they when you have an episode like this where they just can't figure out how to cure a disease. Yes, because yep. it's it like they it, they have like a you know the the doctor's sonic screwdriver, but like for cortisone or whatever, where they just like, what do you have? Oh yeah, you're fine now for like everything. Or they just like put a put a triangle on your head, and all of a sudden your your fractured skull goes back together. So it's it's, it's interesting. Um, that it's not a bigger deal. I mean, I guess it is. I mean, I guess that that's the whole point is that he is ar- arrogant to the point of like, why there's no well, there's no reason why I can't cure this, but then he can't cure it. So I don't know. Maybe it, maybe that's what kind of the point. I mean, it suffers from the same problem as murder mysteries in Star <laughs> Trek when it's like you can't solve the murder mystery. It's like what kind of technology do they have on the station where they can't just immediately figure out who killed this person? Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. They have to. They, I mean it. <clears throat> the the mutation thing, I kind of give it a, a pause. Like, I kind of give it a pass for that. I'm like, yeah, maybe this thing is just, it's always one step ahead. It's winning the mm-hmm. arms race of medicine. It was designed to do that. It was designed to always stay ahead of whatever cure you were coming up with. Um, yeah, and it's 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 exasperated by their machinery. So I guess that kind of... Right, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, um, yeah, that, that was an interesting choice I, I i liked it. it's the only thing they could have done with it it was a little bit tough to, to do and the i will say that the, the makeup looked like they were saving all the makeup budget for that scene where things yeah. go wrong mm-hmm. for them uh the yeah. makeup there looks pretty good i think yeah especially the uh the main guy there with the thing on his forehead they really went out uh, they they really went for it and did like the inflating bladders and stuff on his forehead yep. so though yeah that stuff looked good yep yep Neil Brennan says the quickening an okay episode. Maybe the character Bashir doesn't interest interest me enough anymore to uh, to sustain a whole episode. Not to be nitpicky about a fine actor either, but he never convinces me as a doctor. Kyle Barrett says the quickening. I like returning to classic Trek setup of beaming down to a planet, meeting the locals, and solving a problem, or at least trying to solve a problem. In this case, it's something that, with a lesser script, could seem like a backward step. But instead, we get the DS9 twist on things and end up with a great episode. I really like Bashir at this point in the series, having his optimistic TNG-style view of the universe challenged, but still finding the positive in a dark situation and outcome. As a fan of Bashir and Doctor-focused episodes in general, I like this one a lot. And then 
Last comment is Matt Ross says, Quickening, well, there can be only one Bashir. This was to me refreshing yet depressing at the same time, watching the collapse of a society due to biological warfare. It also shows us the pure malevolence of the Dominion that the Federation is not ready for, but they still let the Federation fly all over the place, of course. Bashir comes in on his own, uh, comes into his own here, realizing that he isn't Superman, at least not yet, and that sometimes you have to go old school to try and figure out cures. To me, the world building in this episode was impressive, although it does seem to reflect that we, what we expect of people trying to carry on with dignity in extreme circumstances. Gervain, as the euthanizer, was sadly creepy, and you realize he actually is doing a favor. I thought he had a special version of the disease since he seemed to witness more, but his, his slightly cold and sadness, his slightly cold sadness was done really well. Ikoria's sad hope for the doctor was a little quick, but still believable and predictably sad, but still well done. Bashir sitting testing every combination of disease was the only way to end the show. What do you think uh, Cisco thinks at the end there? What's what are the thoughts that are going through Cisco's head? I thought that was a that's a scene that's really open to actor interpretation, and I think Every Brooks did something kind of um, intriguing with it. But what did you think? Um, Is Cisco thinking anything at the end? I honestly hadn't thought about that much. So why don't you why don't you say what you think? I think it's open ended enough, and you would think that he would be proud of what Bashir is doing. However, he seems to be taking a fairly cold commander stance of "you can do this, but don't spend too much time on it." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I would agree. With which that. is interesting. That that's kind of a, a neat little take. He never he never comes out and says that, but it. You get the sense that he thinks what Bashir is doing is noble, but he shouldn't really stay up at night over it because he did the best that he could. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's I, I, I would, I would say that that was how I read it. I think, yeah. All right, that's it. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for chiming in with your thoughts about the quickening. We're almost done with season four. Clay, what are you going to give this one? Hmm. That's a tough one. I, I want to say is- high three or a low four. Um, let's go high three, I guess. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> I'm always wondering when we're going to start splitting uh, up into different numbers. I was thinking the same thing. It's a kind of a battle. I think it's I think it's more a three than it is a four for me. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a three. But it's a um, it's a good three. It's a very pleasant three. Maybe not pleasant isn't the right word, but uh, the first twenty minutes aside, I think it really comes into something and um. The the negatives for me are it's kind of generic in a Star Trek way, which isn't really a bad criticism of it, but it's it's a little bit generic and it doesn't really stand out as something um, unique in and of itself. But I'm perfectly happy watching it. I think it does a lot of good world building. I think it's good for Bashir. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's a perfectly solid episode of the show at this point. Yeah. Do do do. I think that's it. Thank you very much, guys. We're both going to give it threes. Clay will give it a strong three. I'll just give it a three. I think. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. There's all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. All the generic stuff will be down in the description. If you really want to join the discussion, you go to Discord. Join the Discord channel. Uh, that link will be down in the description. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show there. A couple dollars a month to get extra stuff. We just did the Unforgiven show. That's a podcast available to all the $2 plus patrons. And I did a trivia live stream the other day with the $5 plus patrons. You can go there. We played a TNG trivia board game minus the board game aspect. It's like when you go to your family's uh, house for Thanksgiving and they want to play Trivial Pursuit, but their idea of playing the game is only to ask each other trivia questions. Maybe that's too personal of a, of a story for anyone to relate to besides myself. <laughs> but I think that the um, it came out pretty well. We had a, a champion decided he'll be returning next month when we do it again. 
But again, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to watch that live stream. It's on YouTube, available to the five dollar plus patrons. I don't Clay. think I don't think we uh we appropriately talked about how um in the Unforgiven podcast, how the second Unforgiven Metallica song, Unforgiven Two, is mm-hmm. actually a is actually a pun because in the lyrics they say, oh, I think, Are I, you I, think I made that joke in, Did you? in the show, actually. Yeah, oh, because I, it might not have been obvious enough, but I was I was making a fact that it's because it's Unforgiven Number Two, right? But he yes. says I'm Unforgiven Two. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's Unforgiven as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like so- it's like if if Prince wrote a Metallica song. Just as a as a teaser for that un- unforgiven thing, I'm still I'm still I still wake up chuckling at, to myself at night about my joke about Joe Jackson. Is she really going out with him over the end credits? <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That was that was that well, was you know, you know, making yourself laugh is really is really the it's, it's the serious aspect of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, if you if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? You know. <laughs> Oh, I'm not laughing at myself. I'm laughing fully with myself. Uh, do you have anything you want to you want to say before we wrap this up? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, Poser three. I don't, I don't think three is on the shelf. Four. I don't know when that comes out. Probably sometime in the next couple of weeks. Night moves number one is currently on the shelves. I think if you want to grab that. Uh, badass podcast. I think we're going to be doing Mask of the Phantasm pretty soon. I think that's good. Um, yeah, and that'll be the next thing we do for that. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, and um, the Voodoo Batman are still asking me to pay them another $25 to unlock Dude, the high definition. That is for some such reason. bullshit. I, um, is, is there anyone else you can, like, contact about that? Because that that's, that's bullshit. It seems to be being, be, being fixed as, like, a rollout fix. <clears throat> because other people had said on Reddit that they had had that option, too, but then they they... They wrote to Voodoo or whatever and got it. So the the response I got was that they're working on a like a a global fix for that issue. I see. Okay. Um. So we'll see. I'll I'll keep like, you. Well, how did you? How did they screw that up? I don't know. Like, were they just hoping no one was going to notice? I, I mean, is if it, you have it, what is it? Do you pay one intern his whole day spent just uploading those videos? Like, why why is it so difficult to get the high definition stuff onto your platform? It doesn't really make any sense to me. It's the I, same with um, CBS All Access doesn't have the TNG in high definition. That's or ridiculous. Didn't. Yeah, but I, I have to. I have to imagine that they probably did the numbers out or something, and were like, "Well, most people don't use these digital download codes, so right. why don't we just upload the standard definition ones so they're up there, and maybe hopefully no one will notice, and or maybe they won't even use it." Yeah, yeah. So no, it's, it's I've dumb. never used that. So can you? Do you? Does that allow you to actively download the files? Yes, I can download those episodes. Okay. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not like I don't have to video capture or anything. It gives me the option to download it and okay. uh, watch it. I didn't it. know if it was like you now have you you now have access to stream these as opposed to actually having them on your hard drive. Oh, right. Yeah. So you can you can stream them and download them. So that is oh, that okay. is better. That is uh, that's the only fair way to do it. I can't understand why you would not want to do that for anybody, but uh, right, obviously right. it does work that way for some cuz I think Amazon lets you download them. T- yes, Amazon lets you download stuff that you buy as well. So, okay, all right. Um, Voodoo is owned by Walmart. I didn't realize that. Really? Yeah, that's that's oh. my understanding. I might be wrong, but that's what I thought I read. So, makes sense. Um, I think that's it. I don't have anything else I want to say. Um, let me see here. 
no, that's it. Check out the Patreon. Check out all that stuff. We have a new month of Patreon coming up. Thank you guys very much for supporting the show. There'll be extra stuff. We Oh, I did my book review. That's up too. You can check that on YouTube. I read DS9 Fallen Heroes and it was terrible. It sucked. It was a waste of my time. It was awful. I made a 25-minute video where I explained why the book was so bad. Um, it's been favorably received though, I think. So people, maybe maybe I'm not, I thought I'd ruffle more feathers than I actually did, but maybe there's just a silent majority of people who hate the, the Trek books, but still read them for some reason. Uh, that's it. All right, Clay, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Guys, we'll be back with the next episode, which is body parts, right? So let me check this to make sure. It is body parts. Body parts is next, and then we have the uh, the final episode of the season. So we will see you in a couple days. <laughs>